Um, now on the podcast this week, I mentioned that you and I were going to be doing this and I threw out a terrible name um, in the form of the Ted Lasbros. I have it right here in my notes as the Ted Lasbros. Do you really? We're so perfectly in okay. sync here. Okay, um, it's, a, it's a horrible name, but- Either, uh, the, either that or, or Andrew sent me a message while he was editing the podcast saying, oh, here's the name Jeff came up with. It's one of those things. Um, either we're perfectly in sync or Andrew- It's gotta be that one. All right, buddy, well, I'm just gonna kick this thing off. We'll see how it goes. Let's lasso up some feelings. Oh my gosh, I think we won't have any problem doing that. Although I just uh, full screened my notes page and I don't need that happening. Welcome in to a podcast that's maybe dropping into your feed in a surprising manner, or maybe it's found a life of its own in a stream somewhere else. We'll see um, what what nurturing does to any given thing at any given time in this podcast, that as well. But you might likely be seeing this dropping into the perfectly acceptable podcast feed from the Comics Place in Bellingham because... Uh, I have a very strong need to talk about something, and I found somebody who also has a very, very strong need to talk about something. Actually, more correctly, they found me um, and put all of this television show on me. What I'm talking about is Ted Lasso. I'm sure you've heard of it. And who I'm talking to is Will Elmer. Will, hello. Well, hello, Jeffrey. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. It's Labor Day. We're recording this just midway through season two of Ted Lasso because we both have a, a fiery hunger in our belly. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited. And frankly, like I'm always looking for an opportunity to talk to you, Jeff. Like oh, just you. any any chance I get. But you know, when i when I first watched the first season of Ted Lasso, I don't it was somewhere, you know, mid-pandemic. I guess we're technically still mid-pandemic right now, but many (laughs) indeterminate times of pandemic. Um, you know, who knows? This could be the midway point right now, or the the optimistic take. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna stay with the optimism. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean it was a show that kind of came along at like the exact right time. Um, when I think we needed it, when the world needed it. Um and and I watched it and just I got completely swept away by the the optimism and just positivity uh, in the show while still kind of taking a realistic approach or you know still managing to avoid some tropes and hokiness while still being just just uh, overflowing and oozing with optimism and positivity and finishing watching the show like instantly I was like there is one person in the world that I know would love and appreciate this show as much as I have. And that's Jeff Figley. And he needs to watch this show. So I remember reaching out to you saying, you need to watch this. And you're like, a couple of people have told me already, I'll get to it eventually. I'm like, no, Jeff, you need to watch this show. And now here we are about to talk about it on a podcast. Now here we are, but you also did that perfectly. Cause you were like, Jeff, you got to watch this show. And I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. I watched like one episode. I did the like the just the 
you know, the thing that's horrible for all people, which is to just watch one show and then be like, I'll come back at some point. But I felt like I had gotten a flavor of it and like all amazing things. Uh, it didn't immediately fully grab me. But then Will, you over several weeks, you would pr- consistently be like, have you watched that yet? Or like, we'd be talking about The Wire and you'd be like, but have you checked out Ted Lasso yet? And it was fine. I was like, I can't not watch. Like I have to watch like a four episode commitment of this thing. When so I thank got that- you for that, that model of doing it. It wasn't aggressive, but it was just persistent enough to be like, okay, wait, this is, so this is a, it's not just, he watched this show this week and liked it. It's a, a persistent, like this is based on my personality. So when I got that text message from you, where you were like, I have two episodes left in the season. Like you didn't tell me you started watching it. You just texted me and said, there are two episodes left. I, I don't, I can't remember the exact words, but you're basically, I don't know what I'm going to do when this is over. Because <laughs> uh, I could tell it had had you hooked at that point. So I just remember reading that text message in my kitchen with just a big dumb smile on my face. I was like, yes, thank you. And, and so then I was just exactly in your position where I've been out proselytizing this show to people. You got to watch it. In fact, I pay for an Apple Plus subscription so that I can give people my info to make sure that they watch it so they don't have to, uh, commit to it. But as I've watched people start watching this show, there seems to be a trend, which is they'll either watch one or two episodes at first and, or they will just watch one through like six or seven. But there's this thing that happens like after episode two, where people all in a day need to get to like episode six or seven. There's like this breaking point, which is like, Oh, I can't not watch this show. And then you get to where like, all right, I'll finish it tomorrow. Cause now I don't want it to be over. And I could actually be finishing it right now. It's, it's kind of incredible, too, because I think it's somewhere in the like six, seven, eight, where there's just like some key moments that just everything clicks so well and kind of gives you kind of spine tingling, like goosebumps. And then revisiting the first season after that, like it was good all along. Like yeah. it had, you know, it had you all along. like the pieces were all there the whole time. But like you said, any any great show kind of just throws you in and lets you start picking things up and it always takes a few episodes and uh, just even better to be able to go back um, to the beginning and have it be that good from the beginning on the second or the third watch through. And now we're uh, both on like three watch throughs and like, you just like, it's therapy. You got to watch each new episode from the season, like two or three times. And yeah, I see that new episode. I'm like, I should really go back now to the beginning of of the (laughs) season and rewatch it. But maybe I should go back to the beginning of the first season and just rewatch the whole thing again. Uh, It's so easy to just throw it on and just pay attention, uh, like tune in and out of it while I'm working. Um, Um, I, I think so for anyone who is listening to this, who has not watched Ted Lasso at all, or doesn't know Will and I, um, Will, I was thinking about it in the shower today while we were both in separate houses. Thinking about me in the shower today, Jeff? Yeah, I was. I was thinking about the history or what's leading up to this moment. And I was, I I realized that we've known each other for 10 years at this point. It's pretty much, I moved here in, I moved to Bellingham, Washington in December of 2012, I think is correct. So it's. Because it's either 2011 or 2012. I kind of lose track at a certain point. No, it's got to be. It was got to be around there because I was working at the store, but we were also working together. And I remember it was right when I had started working at the store, which I guess was nine years ago now. But um, I remember not knowing you well and being a much more, I'm still a pretty socially anxious person, but nine years ago, that was a much more intense thing for me. 
And I remember talking to you, one of my first jobs and you, I remember being like, oh, wow, we have an overlap of television uh, and other interests. But as we were walking out of the building at one point, you'd, we were talking about community and you put words to that show, which is exactly how I felt. And you said something to the effect of, I've never felt like a television show was written exactly for me. And I was like, that is exactly how I feel. And since that moment, we've found that it's not just television, it's comics. And we both like Tool a lot and back to like Nintendo video games. Um, you're the only other person I know who has copies of Golden Sun, uh, which is like, you know, <laughs> very young Jeff uh, RPG stuff. But I just, I, I thinking back on it, we've had a, a large overlap. There was like a four year period where we probably didn't see each other. And uh, and then you started coming to the comic shop several years ago, and it's just been a wonderful thing since then. So um, for anyone who's listening, that's the context of this. It's not just, hey, you like Ted Lasso? I like Ted Lasso. Let's do this thing. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, you know, in, in the job that I've held for, for many, many years now, um, it's, it's funny how, like, I meet so many people on any given week, new people being hired. Um, and you know, people certainly stick out, but there's lots of people that I forget. And, uh, to have you, our interaction has definitely stuck out in my mind because we bonded over community. And I felt like at that time I was desperately seeking out somebody who loved that show as much as me <laughs> show my true professionalism that I think it was probably your new team member orientation that I'm talking about TV shows. I love, yeah. <laughs> um, um yeah that's 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 why i'm so good at my job huh yeah. <laughs> but yeah and then we found each other several years later i think just i wandered into the comics place um with the family on uh i think saturday afternoon and, and you came up and willie melmer jeff fegley great to see you again <laughs> you know you probably don't remember me of course i remember you jeff you're very uh, loud jeff <laughs> <laughs> uh and i've been i've been coming back to the shop ever since and you guys have welcomed me into your into your family and super super uh glad that i'm a part of it and get to talk about this with you now so I'm so so for anyone who hasn't seen ted lasso i just want to like briefly we're gonna put timestamps in this podcast because if we're doing this correctly if you haven't seen ted lasso if you listen to a portion of this you're gonna come away from it wanting to watch ted lasso and if you haven't watched uh season two but you've watched season one we'll talk a briefly about season two because we don't want to be spoiling anything too much but we're gonna focus on the week's episode that came out this week this is labor day uh 2021 that we're recording this so that would have been episode what so season two, episode seven, Headspace. Headspace. And, um, you know, if we were both hyper-confident people, which, you know, debatable, we would we would come into this guns blazing saying that this podcast is called Ted Lasbros. Um, But as it stands, we're going to see if that, how that one, uh, you know, bounces off, uh, how we feel about it tomorrow, maybe. I don't know if that, because um, uh, I don't know that neither one of us would have hardly considered ourselves bros, but. Yeah, I mean, at first take, I love the name Ted Lass Bros, but then exactly what you said. After thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know if we're bros, um, but maybe maybe, maybe we should just run with it. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll see wear like, visors like, next time or tank tops or something. I'm sure Jane has got maybe something. Maybe we'll workshop a few names. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. But bef before we get into the actual uh, episode seven, I'm just, I was kind of curious, Jeff, like why, why Ted Lasso the TV show connected with you so much as a person, like, why did it, why did it sink in with you? What, what, what do you feel like your connection is to the show 
and uh, and just kind of fuels your desire to proselytize it to everyone you meet. Um, yeah, um, and I'm going to respond with that for you as well. Um, it's I think about it all the time, man. And 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 I also then think about even just like sort of the role season two plays because I what I think I love so much about season one are sort of two primary things. One is that Ted Lasso himself as a character falls into this sort of character type of like a Goku type or like a Superman type or like a Jesus Christ type, which is just this sort of a perfect human type. And, and, and when I walked away from season one, I needed to go buy a bootleg shirt that says, be curious, not judgmental on it. I had to, I would just find myself in given days thinking like, what would Ted Lasso do right now? Because the main character in this show motivates everyone to be their best selves. And he does it by being his best self. And I think that it, it follows this sort of leading by example type thing. So I, I really grasped onto, I love aspirational characters and people and things that make me want to be a better human, but also don't talk down to me and tell me this is how you do it. And I, in that show, he's a character who just sort of makes everyone better around him, but he also is in the process of becoming better himself. So, so that's a big draw for me. And then the other thing is that, and it's something that you would, you know, like I think that first text exchange as I was watching it, it, it this show, I'm rewatching Friends right now. And that's a show that I was really into when I was in like junior high and I would watch it, but it falls into this like classic sitcom trope which is it creates drama by really like base levels of just like oh there's a miscommunication and somebody's too embarrassed to say what they really meant so that we're going to spend 20 minutes kind of chasing this problem around and and in doing so it does like I, I've even since I was young I've just been like man I really wish somebody would just be honest and say oh, like hey I messed up your couch and there's a stain on it now so instead of having a whole episode about needing to hide a cushion or something um this show creates drama, but doesn't drag it out and doesn't insult the watcher by uh, encouraging non-pro-social behavior. It just immediately is just like, oh yeah, you need to talk to that person about this issue. And they're like, yeah, I do need to go talk to that. And then they go talk about it and then you get to see the outcome of it. And it's it, it moves the plot forward always and you don't spend time um, laboring through emotionally difficult things but it doesn't shy away from emotionally difficult things so it's it's aspirational and i think it, it's paced in a way that is one of the most respectful to the audience that i've ever seen yeah i completely agree with that and i'll, I'll answer your question right back at uh at me but <laughs> i completely agree with that um with that sentiment of i feel like it's it does an incredible job of kind of subverting your expectations a little bit and making you think that the show is going to fall into some tropey sitcom -y behavior. And sometimes it still does a little bit to be fair, but mm -hmm. um, a lot of times when the character is presented the opportunity to make the mature grown up decision, they do it yep. as opposed to following down this path to, like you said, to kind of create some fake drama that we kind of roll our eyes at, but we're watching, you know, a sitcom for escapism, whatever, where this kind of like presents the opportunity for the character to make the mature decision. And they do. 
um, which I think is maybe more realistic the majority of the time. I totally agree. Easier for us to worded. connect with instead of just rolling your eyes at it and saying this is so frustrating because um, that's the feeling that I you know have always kind of gotten in watching sitcoms. It's like it's so frustrating. Why doesn't the person just tell the them the thing that they're thinking or how they're feeling and have an adult conversation. And this show does that so well. And I think that kind of leads to, you know, lots of other reasons on why I connect with the show so much. I mean, it's um, the creative team behind it. There's, there's a lot of um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. A lot of the talent that was behind scrubs mm -hmm. is, is behind. And I feel like scrubs did a lot of that well, um, but feels like, um, why am I suddenly drawing a blank at the uh, the creative Bill Lawrence? Bill Lawrence, right? Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of Bill Lawrence, maybe kind of growing up, maybe being a little bit more. I don't know if woke is the right word, but you know, I think we both were, were listening to the Scrubs rewatch podcast for a little while and watching the show along with it, and you can see them kind of being embarrassed at some mm -hmm. some things that maybe don't fly as much today. So I feel like you can see Bill Lawrence kind of maturing and growing up a bit while still bringing a lot of the heart um, and just uh, interesting ideas and social aspects into the show. Um, and then just on that surface level, like I just connect with Ted Lasso so much. Mm -hmm. Like I've been, you know, a manager, supervisor, working with people, trying to find ways to motivate people to be the best versions of themselves um, while also you know, pushing them hard, being there. I love the line from the episode this week of if I'm going to be your mentor, occasionally I have to be your tormentor. Um, that was just like, that was like perfect. Cause that's kind of a bit of what the job of like a manager or a coach. And I've always kind of tried to believe in being uh, optimistic and a positive person, but the world can weigh on you sometimes. So it's great to watch Ted kind of just smile back at the world without blinking, no matter what kind of crap that throws at him. But then to see he still struggles and he's he has anxiety issues and he has um, other issues, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more as we get into this episode. But I just I kind of love to see his flaws and I love to see him have nervous breakdowns because that was me. That was me as a manager, like being the guy on the surface, you know, smiling, you know, walking into every every store that I visit, working with you know team members trying to motivate them, trying to be, you know, happy and positive and then walking out the door and the stress of the world is still eating me up and occasionally having those nervous breakdowns where no one, you know, most people don't see it. They only see this, you know, happy go lucky guy who's just trying to trying to have fun and be good at his job and, and make everybody else's lives a little bit better in the process. So, you know, Ted Lasso, the character kind of makes me want to be a better person and makes me appreciate him so much to see that he's flawed and still trying to figure out how to recognize those flaws and cope with them. That, um, yeah, it reminds me of just, that's another thing that we've, I had in common is I think that we are both, we both deal with that in a really similar way. And I think we, we both also manage people and probably never thought that we would do that. You know, like, I don't think either of us are ever like, yeah, we're going to be leaders, but we found ourselves in a position where we are kind of responsible for trying to optimistically encourage people to be their best selves, but also um, are not the the veneer of encouraging people to be your best self makes it feel like you're your best self. And, it, you're, you know, I don't think you and I have the ability to ever be so full of ourselves to think that we are our best selves. Um, and it's a shout out to, I believe it was Nathan Butcher, who will be listening to this um 
You better be listening, Nathan. Yeah. Uh, I think it was this him this last week or week and a half, but we were talking about this show, and he said what I think is so impressive about this show is that Ted Lasso as a character helps everybody be a better version of themselves, but we as an audience, by watching this show, are also encouraged to be better versions of ourselves. So the show itself has the same effect on the audience that the character has on the other characters of the show. And I think that that's another instance of like, there's a lot of pretty meta stuff that goes on with this show. And uh, I I think that's one of the reasons it works so well. Um, So then based on our love of season one, what were your feelings going into a second season of this? Yeah. I mean, I was, I guess I was very excited um, for season two, but there's always kind of a bit of that nervousness of like, was it lightning in a bottle? Like, is are they going to be able to capture the same magic going into season two that they got in season one? Um, I think the answer so far has been yes, but they've been able to do something different, right? It's just not a retread of season one. They've, you know, the characters all seem to be pretty true to themselves. Um, but I guess I didn't really know what to expect coming into season two. And it's weird. I get nervous when I start watching like a new season of a show. Like, what is it going to be like the first couple of minutes of the first episode? And there's like the um, um, when Danny Rojas kills the dog with his kick and there's some CGI going on. I was like, what is this going to be? And then (laughs) it, uh, yeah, yes, kind of super nervous about it, but it's just been incredible in fact some of the last few episodes i think have been some of the best episodes of the show i i totally agree and i was in that same boat i think the first season in my mind is one of the most perfect seasons of a television show i've ever seen ever and kind of learning a little bit about this show which i've actually kind of resisted a little bit in the same way that like uh you know, when I saw Spider-Man Homecoming, I was like, I love Spider-Man and Mary Jane in this. I don't want to learn anything about the actress Zendaya because I just always want to see her and think that that's Mary Jane. And like, I I want I didn't want to see interviews with Jason Sudeikis because I was like, I want to believe that this character exists, you know. But in learning about it, you know, I found that he had written it and it kind of set on the shelf for a while. And then Bill Lawrence and he had hooked up and the show was made, it sounds like a couple of years after it had been made or like written originally. And then it, as anyone listening who hasn't seen the show knows, like it won a million awards. And if you haven't seen the show, you've probably been told you need to see the show at this point. So um, I would encourage all people to abandon their general resistance to, you've been told to watch The Wire for 15 years. Okay, fine. Like, I know I need to watch The Wire. One Like, it's easy to build up a resistance to it, but I was I was pretty nervous because it seemed like the first season had been created in such a vacuum that it seemed like you couldn't uh, like close Pandora's box and you, like you know what you did well in that first season, and it felt like that would then influence the attempt at season two. And the first two episodes or so, I was like pretty nervous because it was like you know what do we do with it? So I, I very similar uh, response to it going into season two. Yeah. If you've seen, I don't know if you've gone back then and seen any of the, like you can go into YouTube because Ted Lasso as a character was created, you know, years ago by Jason, even before it was a TV show, it was just the character for like NBC sports. Right. Um, So if you go onto YouTube and watch some of these old commercials or vignettes that I think they were playing between, um, you know, sporting events, football, uh, and whatever else people watch uh, as sport on NBC at the time. Um, 
a lot of the same jokes are there, right? You can go back and you can see it and you can hear similar fish out of water type jokes happening or even ones that are word for word appear in the first few episodes of the I haven't watched them. I only know of that. So I need to go back and look at those to see the, 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 the process. And that reminds me a lot of actually, uh, have you ever seen flight of the Concords? Oh yeah. Um, right. Like those guys had been writing music and doing sketches and doing stand-up comedy with a lot of the routines that made it into the show for a decade leading up to that. And so they were able to make season one of the show magic. And then it's exactly kind of, I still thought season two of that show was excellent, but you could still see like they, they had 10 years to kind of Mm -hmm. work on these ideas for season one. And then season two was like, you got a year to, to do all of the same things to write just as good songs. Um, And they, they struggled. I think they still put out an amazing product, but by the end of that, they were like, we're burnt out. We can't. Right. And they left the show um, you know, basically walked away from what, you know, could have been a massive deal with HBO. Cause they were just like, we, we've blown all of our creativity uh, on this and we just can't do it anymore. Like the second season has kind of killed us. So that's kind of what my, to your point, like kind of a little bit of that same concern is like the Ted Lasso character and ideas have existed for several years building up to this and was a shelved idea that was brought back to life. Um, so did they use up all of their magic and, in season one. And I don't, like I said, I don't think we've, I don't think we've seen that, but I had that exact same nervousness in, in the first episode or two. So my thought, and I'm curious how you feel about this um, with season two, it was, I was, is it going to be more of the same or are they going to kind of make it as a response to season one and go in a very different direction? And what I think they've done is a really courageous thing because what I think made season one, perfect was that Ted Lasso I think was this perfect character even though he had his own fallibility and his own anxiety but him by being who he is made everyone around him better and even down to the point where like so spoilers for season one um but like he there's a relationship that falls apart his his marriage and at that point and I was talking about this to my best buddy Danny and he was like well I don't think he was perfect in season one like he you know, this relationship stuff like that, that fell apart. But my response was that like that relationship did fall apart. But even the way that his wife ended up leaving him was from the context of she was like, no, like we can keep working on this. And it was him who was like, no, like you don't have to keep working on this. Like you, you can go like, I'll be OK. So even in his weakness, it was still like his strength that allowed her to the kind of go through her next journey. So it kind of encapsulated this, like he made just being the best and just being positive is the thing that kind of makes everybody better. But this second season, right off the bat, um, we are introduced to a therapist that comes in um, and right off the bat, like she doesn't immediately just vibe out with like, oh man, this super positive guy, just it's great. And everyone should just be super positive. Like there's this, um, I think she can see the weakness within him. So what I thought was really courageous is that they took this character that I think was perfect and um, took a risk in pointing out maybe maybe demanding that everyone come to your point of view. And like the first season is perfect. And I think this is an amazing season, but I I think that 
if you want to look back at season one, you can kind of, in terms of like social interaction, it kind of feels like he encourages people to come to his way of looking at things in a wonderful way. But it seems like within this second one, it's leaving room for him to realize that it's not just about encouraging people to come to his viewpoint. He also needs to be doing some work to find a middle ground. And I think that with all people, especially like on a kind of sociological or cultural level, like, you know, and the, the psychologist is a black woman. So it's very like kind of antithetical to like white imperialistic man, you know? And it, it's this idea that like, yeah, maybe, maybe Ted actually, you know, he's always calling her doc and she's like, doctor is actually okay. And, and on my, as a viewer, I was like, come on lady, just like have fun. He's so kind, like just be down to go by doc. But again, everyone comes from a different viewpoint and has had a different life. And I do think that what was courageous is that they're kind of encouraging the viewer through Ted learning that you can, you can be positive and be in your mind doing what is the best thing for everybody. But if you're not also trying to look at where somebody else is coming from, you're not really benefiting them you're not trying to come to a place of understandings like that. That's just been an idea that I've been, has been juggling in my mind since this season two, which is this idea of they made him a little bit more, or just maybe kind of challenge the, the idea that just being super positive is the solution to everything, even though I do think it's a solution to everything, but. Yeah. What, what I think works too. I mean, like he's kind of, he's kind of played this role of a therapist character, Mm -hmm. Um, without being an actual therapist and I actually really like you know the more that you kind of think about it and her saying no you call me doctor um you know she finally I think loosened up right she said fine you can call me doc but yeah you know I I think it's totally fair right she's she's a black woman who probably worked very very hard uh in her field to be successful so that's a title that she's earned and he doesn't necessarily have respect for therapists in general. And she's like, no, you need to respect me. I'm a doctor. Uh, you don't get to, you know, denigrate my title by calling me doc because you don't believe in that. And she has a great moment with him um, in this episode. But I, I think your point's excellent about how perfect of a character he kind of is in the first season. But it's also like all of the seeds were planted there. That's what I think works so well, like mm-hmm. makes it feel pretty natural is, you know, he does have a panic attack in the first season. We do see him not being 100% unflappable, right? Like he has a moment where he uh, barks at Nate, who's trying to slide the note under his door in the middle of the night. And he's he's frustrated and frazzled yeah. from the divorce papers. Like there's, there's several of these moments kind of sprinkled into season one, but it's not enough, you know, it's enough for you to say, yeah, he's human. And, you know, these are... Like this is something that any one of us would have done or could have happened to any one of us, but the character traits were all there to plant that seed for this season for us to kind of see some more cracks in his character and to see the natural that him ending up in a therapist chair was kind of destined to happen from the beginning, even though we would have never really thought about that watching season one. Yeah, no, that's that's really well put. You're right, because like they did they did plant those seeds, but it was enough to be able to chalk it off as just like, yeah, he's a fallible human. And and then to the point about the doc doctor thing, it's not also just he needs to do work because she also then by the end of episode one or two is like, you can call me doc like there. It's this act of trying to find a middle ground within people rather than expecting people to come to your viewpoint. I think 
That's just one of the great instances of this show being a teaching thing. So on that note, let's get into this episode. Listeners, um, if you are have not seen the show, pause this, call Jeff, get Apple Plus. We'll find a way to make sure you can watch this show. Um, if you've only watched season one, pause it, go watch season two. If you had, like I was talking to my sister, she also had the same nervousness. She has not watched season two yet because of that. Um, I was like, you just got to do it. But we're going to go into this. So if you want to dip out now, we'll make timestamps and whatnot. But uh, we're going to do spoilers abound and just sort of treat this as if we've been going through episode by episode at this point. Will, does that sound good? That sounds great. And like I said, there's tons of ways to get Apple Plus as like free trials. Now, if you like buy any sort of Apple product, they throw a free trial at you. I think even recently saw like you can get a free uh, subscription through like a target app. Like it's just all over the place. I think you can do a free trial for a week or two and you'll be, you'll be hooked and that's all you'll need. To- and if you accidentally forget to cancel your trial and you've watched Ted Lasso, I guarantee that the fee of the next month will be worth your experience with season one. Like you will be like, yeah, that was worth it. Watch it during that, yeah. during that, during that time frame. Exactly. So Will, take us into this. I hear you've got a notes doc or a, a spreadsheet and I just have a notes doc. So so I just I figured it may be good for us to just as we dive into season two, episode seven, Headspace, we kind of get a, a quick look back at last week's episode because this mm-hmm. episode kind of picks up in a lot of the uh, places where last week uh, left off. And on that note, I would say last last week's episode, which I don't have the title of right in front of me, but season two, the signal six, the signal. Yeah. Oh yes. The signal. Uh, <laughs> I was one, I think is the best episode of the season uh, or it's right there with one or two of the other, with the uh, ROM communism episode and the Christmas episode. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Each episode an, has been the best one of the season for me, frankly. In, incredible. So last week, um, uh, previous episode, we left with, you know, Jamie wanting Roy to actually coach him and interact with them. Um, Ted had his second panic attack that we've seen. Uh, Sam is revealed to be the person talking to Rebecca on the banter app, which was an incredible misdirection. So well done. Ted um, and Nate gets his moment in the sun, which played a big role in this episode. Um, You know, when Ted had his panic attack, um, which on that note, like it's interesting to look at when Ted, we can talk about this more later, but when Ted has had both of his panic attacks, I feel like they've been in moments where it's kind of the, the pinnacle of what he's been working for as a coach, you know, in season one, when he has his panic attack, the teams are having, um, they're having karaoke. They're all bonding together. Rebecca's joined them finally, and she's warming up and, and interacting with the team. And it's just this incredible moment as a coach that you should appreciate, but he can't because his family's falling apart. And this moment where he should be experiencing all this happiness, um, it just, it doesn't matter to him, everything that he's worked for, because the thing that really matters to him matters to him in his life um, is out of reach through no fault of his own. There's nothing, there's nothing he can do to fix it. There's nothing he can do to change it. So many things in his life is he can fix. And this is something that he can't. And we have that kind of a similar echo of that. Like the team has really come together. The coaching staff has come together. They're on the brink of winning, um, you know, a big game that they need this win. They've never won here before. Um, And in that moment, you know, he had previously just had an interaction with his um, son or his, no, his son's school where there was a problem and he couldn't do anything about it. He couldn't be the father to his kid that 
needed him in that moment. And so there's massive success that his team is now uh, undertaking. He has this, you know, another panic attack. And then so, Nate on, jumps in and, and saves takes over and saves the day and is the, the wonder kid. I've got a question about the panic attack. So in that episode, and it's the very end of the, the previous episode, um, the thing that the bit of audio that stood out to me during the panic attack seemed to be Jamie's dad yelling at him. It's there's like a, the audio is something Jamie and, and it sounds like from, you know, season one, Jamie's dad had a pretty abusive relationship with him. And I, I just, I was trying to figure out like what that audio clip exactly what his panic attack was about. And you in that explanation, I think actually provided a good amount of support for it. it's this idea of not being able to appreciate the good that he's done because of these kind of holes in his personal life. But it just felt interesting to me. And I don't remember exactly what the words were, but it was, I believe it was Jamie's dad yelling at him. And that just felt like an interesting bit of audio for Ted to be hearing, to be causing a panic attack. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, and that was a, that was Jamie's moment too, right? It was mm -hmm. like, um, you know, Ted has been working with Jamie to get him to be an unselfish player this whole time. And then uh, it's working well for the team. And then Roy comes back and says, no, he needs to be a selfish player sometimes. So it's interesting to think about that audio clip because I didn't catch that, but it's interesting to think about that kind of juxtaposition with Roy coming in and saying, no, you were wrong, Ted. He needs to, mm -hmm. he needs to be, you know, he needs to be Jamie Tart. He needs to be a dickhead and uh you know play that way sometimes and so yeah. they had that wonderful moment where they all had their signal and they flipped him off yeah. <laughs> gave him permission to be an asshole uh and then it was you know jamie was successful and yeah you're you're right i think maybe that just it kind of it you know challenges his world view even that it's just like that maybe the right solution isn't always the way that i do think like maybe you know uh, in therapy myself, like learning the value that selfishness doesn't always have to be a dirty word, you know, like sometimes there's, you got to be able to self-preservation and who we got honor, who we are. So I think that's, yeah, maybe some of the journey he's, he's going through there. So I, that even helps me figure that out a bit. Yeah. So kind of some bullet points in heading into this, you know, with all of that in mind, heading into this week's episode, you know, we pick off, I'll pick up a lot of where we left off, you know, Ted is, you know, we saw at the end of last week's episode two, Ted, um, nobody could find him. He was sitting, laying on um, um, Doc, uh, Dr. Sharon's couch, um, waiting for her. And so we kind of pick up, she helped him out that one night and he's now kind of seeking therapy, but he's having trouble accepting it. Um, we see that Rebecca has not responded to Sam's message. It's been like two days, I believe. Um, he hasn't responded to the message. And um, you know, we see uh, Keely and Roy uh, having some relationship problems, as well as Nate becoming uh, a complete and total asshole after his holy, success. Holy crud, Nate. I, what a, you know, one of, again, the challenging parts of season two was, I think, to en encourage stories to be able to told in a longer form they're casting these characters with some alternate lighting you know like showing oh they're all multi-dimensional and so much of what was great about nate was watching this total underdog rise to a place and but now yeah i think to jump off on the nate plot here he he's been celebrated since the previous episode for 
being this wonderkind who saved the team for this play at the end of the game, but he mispronounced wonderkind as wonder kid. And we are just seeing all these scenes of him kind of going back to uh, the mythological character of Narcissus, uh, Narcissus, who stared at themselves in the mirror and fell in love with themselves and were so obsessed with themselves that they ended up dying and a tree was planted in their spot. Um, I, I first watch of this was like, wow, it seems like it's really kind of tying into the dangers of narcissism here. But then on this time through, I rewatched it this morning, I kind of took it a different way, which is it's not just a danger of narcissism. I think that what it's kind of accessing is that this is a character who has been chronically bullied and is probably really insecure. And they finally did succeed at something. And so while he's spending all of this time reading on Twitter and everything, people celebrating him, he occasionally, somebody will make fun of the fact he mispronounced Wonderkind as Wonderkid. Or on Twitter, he finds somebody who's like, yeah, but he still seems like a loser. And he has the same thing that I have, which is no matter how successful you can be, my brain still does this thing where when I see what I think I messed up on, I just can't, un I can't focus on anything else. My mom once said that like, yeah, someone once told her that she could walk into a room with 100 people and 99 of them could love her. And if one didn't like her, all she would be able to do would be focus on the one person that didn't like her. And it's, it's kind of that mentality. And then when he sees somebody who points out his flaws, he becomes this nightmare human. So it's, it's, I think it's almost less a little bit about the dangers of narcissism and more about um, our need to be generous and kind of gentle with ourselves, which is like, we always mess up. And if we become too obsessed with dwelling on our failures or if people have seen our failures, then it causes us to like really lash out or something. That, I don't know. That was kind of my two journeyed uh, bit with that plot. Yeah, I've been I've been all over the place on my thoughts about Nate. I, I was, you know, walking into this episode, I thought it was an interesting episode for us to kind of start our conversations on because I, I initially I walked away feeling like this is my least favorite episode of Ted Lasso, um, or at the very least, the least favorite episode of of the season so far. And I rewatched it this morning. And there's a lot of parts of the episode that I was like, oh, you know what? I really like these parts of it, but there's parts that I'm really kind of struggling with. And I, I have a lot of um, faith that the show is going to prove me wrong, but there was a lot of kind of apprehension on what they're doing with, with Nate and kind of turning him into this, you know, big asshole. And I think all of the, everything you said was spot on. I will add in that he's also constantly seeking his father's approval. Right. But that's how we begin the episode is, going to see his his parents and expecting to get you know um, admiration and how proud of them you know they are of him and he didn't get any of that his dad just kind of ignored it and told him to stop thinking so highly of himself and actually his dad's lesson isn't necessarily wrong but he's right. delivering it poorly um so we we see there's definitely some some there and we've seen that throughout lots of other episodes uh, leading up to this but uh I don't know. I really, I really struggled with, with them just kind of with him taking such a turn, but to be fair, after thinking about a lot, all of the seeds for this, just like Ted seeking therapy, all of the seeds for Nate's heel turn are, have kind of been planted, right? He's like you said, he has been bullied. Um, but he's been, I forget the name of the, um, the kid that took his place. Right. Um, 
is it Colin? No, Colin's the player. Colin's he, the player. Yeah. Um, I was trying to look it up on IMDb subtly, but I he's not showing up on the main list of characters. But the kid that took his place um, as kind of the locker room towel boy, whatever, um, he's been a complete asshole to that kid since, since the beginning of season last, two. Yeah. Last season, right? That's all been there. And then we also saw just the moments where he kind of broke out of his shell to motivate the team, right? They're all ribbing each other when he has that moment in the locker room where he makes fun of all of them. Like that's it, that when he was trying to slide that note under Ted's hotel door is exactly that. Like he read those, all of those thoughts and kind of trashing everybody. And we've, you know, we've kind of seen these little seeds sprinkled throughout. And it just makes me wonder like, is he an asshole kind of deep down and he's just been so timid and it's all been repressed or is it like you said it's just this kind of he's seeking his father's approval and he's been bullied and now his insecurities just come out in bullying other people and he's going after the few people that he feels like he can go after um, without being taken back down himself so I feel like the show will probably do what needs to be done and I will be wrong about it I just it was frustrating to watch. And that's one of those things that we talked about, like when watching sitcoms, characters make decisions that are frustrating and you just want to shake them. That was kind of, you know, Nate's arc through this episode was kind of that for me. I'll tell you what I liked about it is I kind of chalked it up to this kind of theory about identity development that I've had for quite a while. That's probably actually in books somewhere that is legitimate not that i think i'm legitimate but it's a thing i've thought about so i came to comics i've loved comics my whole life but i went through a phase where i for a decade like my biggest passion in life has always been music and i was raised in band programs and i wanted to be a musician my whole life in fact the, the reason that i always cringe while watching flight of the concords is that i'm just always like i don't want to watch a story about like people who are kind of failing at doing this thing that I want to do. Like it's, it was just like, I see too much of myself in it. Um, but a thing that kind of encouraged me to professionally go towards comics and kind of turn away from music for a big part of my life was that it seemed like people use music and uh, their taste in music or how much they knew about music as kind of a way to substitute having an identity. And it seemed like, you know, I think that everyone is fundamentally insecure in some regard. And I think a way that we deal with that is by propping ourselves up and becoming quote unquote experts about things. And what I found was that there was this culture within music of like, Oh yeah, well, yeah, sure. That's a great album. But have you heard their first album or like, yeah, I mean, th there was this weird kind of pretentious nature about, it seemed like you were cooler if you could somehow take someone else's taste or experience and put it in a box and then sort of imply that you know more than they do. And, and that was always really gross to me. And it felt kind of dirty. And in college, there was a lot of that because it's a lot of early 20 something. So it's like a lot of people really kind of struggling with finding who they are. So that was one of the reasons that I was just like, I really hungered for what felt like a genuine or vulnerable art to engage myself in and comics have always been in my life but I got really into comics around that time but what I've also seen within comics is that people it, the same thing happens there are people who are looking for an identity and we're all fundamentally insecure and as soon as we find this thing that kind of finally makes us feel like we've found our voice I think it's really easy to then start kind of getting high on your own supply of just like, oh yeah, well, but have you read their first run or have you read this one or you're not reading this book? And it's this kind of 
cultural thing that that happens like i think that when we start to find a, a path it we can start to s- imply that the you know the better we are the more we know the more we can make other people feel lesser than and i kind of was equating nate's journey with that which is this idea of he's just been desperately f- looking to find some appreciation or some feeling within himself that he is worthy and he's finally finding it and now that he's finally finding it he's kind of wants everyone to make sure that they know that he's found it and and i feel like that's kind of what that music or even comic and i think it goes to everybody in all types of art which is just like we're all insecure and once we finally start to not feel insecure we want the world to recognize that quicker than i think it does and we can take that personally, or we can just kind of, I don't know, I've just seen it lend itself to kind of putting ourselves on pedestals and, and putting other people down. So that's, that's kind of what I felt like the Nate journey is a conversation about. Cause I also, the first two episodes I struggled with it. I was like, he's yelling at the kid for putting like lavender in the water. And I'm just like, dude, he's just finding his footing. Like why on earth would you criticize him? But I think that, you know, we're all seeking an identity. Once we start to find it, then we start start to discourage other people's identities. But I think the real path in the Ted Lasso way is kind of realizing that like, no, we have to be humble and humil- like have humility. And that's what his dad says, which is I think humility is uh, focusing on yourself less than focusing on yourself more. And, and I, that, that seems to be the heart of what Nate's going through. Really well said. I, uh, I guess I could say what I, what I did like about it is that it didn't necessarily feel unnatural because it's, right. it's kind of been building to the moment. And I do appreciate that it didn't, it wasn't all settled and wrapped up in a neat little package at the end of the episode, right? It kind of did a little bit of the like, you know, he apologized and he learned his lesson and, um, you know, made up with Colin for treating him, you know, like crap. And he ate crow on uh, and apologized in front of the team. But then you still see it at the end of the episode. That in he's a still scary going. way. Yeah. And a terrifying way where it just kind of made you feel that's probably what, what led a lot of to me to like, oh, I don't necessarily like the episode, right? Because so many episodes you leave just kind of feeling good. And this one you kind of left feeling kind of crummy because like Nate is a character that you've rooted for this whole time. And to see him kind of take this mother of dragons heel turn um, right now, it, it, feels, it feels tough to see somebody that you've, this underdog that you've been rooting for suddenly be like, what the hell is this guy's problem? Like he needs to relax and And, uh, be more humble. And underdogs still have to learn the same lessons, right? They've still got to learn how to. So what I'm curious about, Will, is that a big thrust of this issue is Ted's journey in therapy. And I went to school like with psychology. If I were to not work at a comic shop one day, it would be to be a a therapist. Um, I've been in therapy for 10 years. I love it. I think, you know, it would benefit everybody. So what I loved was kind of watching Ted's journey into going into therapy. Um, Sort of the first time he goes in, he's just like being Ted times 10, just joking, being insecure and rearranging his positioning, like kind of making light of the situation and then storming out. And then the next time he goes in, um, it's, I don't remember all of the phases of grief or whatever, but this one is sort of like there's nervous insecurity. And then the second time it's judgmental anger. And then he leaves and then he comes out to come back a third time to access kind of truth. And I'm just curious, like, how did you feel about that whole aspect of this episode? I mean, like, I, I feel like I can connect with Ted pretty well on that as well. Like I've never, 
I've never been to therapy. Um, that I probably would benefit from it. I don't, I believe it's a good thing, but there's always been maybe just a bit of um, fear or apprehension in the back of my, my mind for, for seeking it or the stigmas that exist behind it. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of the things that, um, that Ted feels like uh, just struggling to get comfortable and a nervous small talk. Like, I mean, I was laughing the whole time, but <laughs> it was also just, you know, Ted being quintessential Ted. And that was like the moment he finally took a deep breath and calmed down and was looking at the little drinking bird um, to, to find his, his center he immediately, like he immediately walked out. Like, she's like, you know, let's talk about what happened the other day. And he immediately says, Nope, I'm, I'm out. Um, Cause he's re- very much resistant to that. And like, I feel like his voice was a lot of people's voices the next time through where he's like, you're this all therapy bullshit. Like you're, you're charged, you charge by the hour for 50 minutes of time, you know, and you're going to probably blame all of the problems on my parents. Like that's, I think how a lot of people probably feel about the idea of therapy. And it was really nice to see on the next time back to see her um, be straight with him because it does seem like she's, you know, she hasn't really opened up herself a lot. And every time that she's kind of opened herself up a little bit to Ted, it's allowed him to connect a little bit more. So for her to say, you hurt me, like this wasn't, this wasn't okay. Um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't coach for free or you would coach for free, but you don't. So why is it, why is it not okay for me to get paid to do my job when you get paid to do your job? Which I think is a very, very astute and valid point. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, I think, I thought that was awesome. That was a great thing for me because I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm viewing all of this through Ted's eyes and he has that first moment. It's like, you know, how dare you get paid for this and charge by the hour for 50 minutes. And then, like me feeling that exact same thing as Ted and just being like, whoa, you are right. And I was a jerk and I apologize for that. Like I was completely out of line for that. I got to have that experience. I thought Ted's everything with Ted with the therapy was like far and away the strongest part of the episode. And it was just, uh, it was great to go along the journey with him, but to see that he still has a lot of work to do, right? It wasn't like everything was fixed in one episode and you know, Ted is all better. Like this is a journey that's going to go on throughout the season and probably well into next season and, you know, carry on and probably be part of Ted's life going forward. And I thought that was a much more realistic approach to therapy, not just, Oh, I went to therapy once or twice and we fixed Mm -hmm. it in a half hour episode of, um, you know, a sitcom TV show. I, I think, you know, I mean, having gone through kind of that therapeutic journey myself, um, and it's not just a, oh, wow, that first session was great. This is an amazing thing. But um, what I, for me, I was just really impressed in this episode with how good I thought she was at her job. Um, I think that like, when he's like, why you got tissues? And she's like, sometimes it gets emotional. And my immediate thought was like, oh no, if I were a client, I would be worried to like, oh, do I need to get emotional or I'm doing this wrong? But her immediate follow-up was that also sometimes it doesn't get emotional and he's like oh and she's like also sometimes people just sneeze and like her ability to put people at ease and and you know kind of at first she leaves it open for him hey do you want to like do you have do you know what you want to work on and he doesn't know exactly so she starts and broaches the question of well hey maybe we should just start by talking about like what happened the other night and you know, I, I think that so much of stigma about therapy is that you need to know what's wrong going in, or it's got to be built around. Sometimes you just go in, you talk about 
music for 30 minutes and then what you did the last week for 20 minutes and then you're done. But she just does a great job of leaving it entirely open. Every therapeutic relationship I think is different. And I just think that they really, I think there is, in general, I think that media, television, movies uh, only hurt the stigma about therapy. And I think that this one actually did the very rare thing, which is made it uh, be a more honest representation of what it is. And it's not this, I'm blaming your parents. It's not this, like, you don't need to immediately get down to brass tacks to figure out what's wrong. Sometimes it's just like, you got to spend several sessions just getting to know somebody. So I was, as somebody who has a clear um, dog in the fight of therapy, um, I, I was really pr- pretty impressed with the way that it was represented in this episode. I loved it when she put the tissue box down and he was finally ready to do this and he grabbed the tissues and threw it. I mean, it was obviously a pretty brave declaration to, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting emotional here when Ted is a very emotional human being by his nature. Um, either that or he was just confident in his allergy medication. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why he said that. I didn't realize that. I actually didn't realize the allergy medication joke was because he threw that. But yeah, it is a, you know, there's so much, there's so much metaphor in this show like visual metaphor just like down to the fact that like when keely and roy you know clearly are about to engage in intercourse and it cuts and it's just the shot of sprinklers going off on the field (laughs) and you're just like you guys and your metaphors i love it so can we talk about keely and roy and this episode in particular i mean i think they've been just a fantastic relationship but um i also want to say that it was like an incredible Groundhog Day homage reference that I did not catch one bit the first watch. I only caught it the second time around, the, but with Roy waking up in bed to the alarm clock and um, I've Got You Babe by you know Sharon, uh, Sonny Bono playing and just kind of the montage of the Groundhog Day, but instead it was Roy just always being there. And like, that was Keeley's like, he's always here, he's always here. And that's the way every single day has been Mm. since he started working here is every single day is exactly this thing. He's always here. He's always there. Uh, And it was, you know, Groundhog Day, Bill Murray, one of my favorite movies and actors uh, of all time. So that was an awesome homage and reference that I guess I would say the rest of the story for me was again, maybe the secondary part of why I felt like it was maybe a weaker episode because I didn't, I felt like it was kind of a bit of a, a throwaway artificial drama. Let's create in this episode to wrap up like a little bit of that relationship tropey stuff that we talked about in our conversation earlier that this show generally avoids. It felt like they just needed something for Roy and Keely to do in this episode. Mm. It was relatively wrapped up by the end of the episode. Sure, of course, like Roy did the mature things, like there was still a lot of, you know, things that we would typically expect from the show, Um, but it had a bit of that, like Keely has this problem and she's told every single other person, including her ex uh, at a certain point, knows about this problem. And then it takes, uh, uh, you know, him just, or her being honest in in a blow up, um, for him to realize that. And then, you know, he learns his lesson while trying to coach Jamie of all people when he realizes his, his mistake, um, which are always great moments. It's always great when Roy has his epiphany moments and just right. yells, fuck, yeah, arms off. That's so happened good. a few times in the Fucking history of the show, hell. including yeah. when he's reading to his niece 
um, when he's reading uh, to his niece in season one and then just give a fuck when he realizes uh, when he has those moments. So it's great, but it was just kind of a throwaway. Um, there were great moments from it, but it didn't, it didn't do a lot for me. It was just kind of like, why does, why did this have to happen in this episode? I suppose. So first I want to say, I don't feel like I've fully accessed what metaphor I think they were trying to get at with the Da Vinci code being the book that he's reading the whole time. I think there's something there. I give this and show coach been- beard. Coach beard was reading about a boy. Oh, was he? Well. Yeah. Okay. I think that there is, I think they, every single character in every episode, I think there is more metaphor and thought going on than I always get in my first. So I, this is one of the reasons that if you're watching this from the comics place awareness, like it's one of the reasons I love Jonathan Hickman or Grant Morrison is that I always trust that there's a larger thing going on that I didn't quite pick up on. And if I give it more time, I will find. So I loved just thinking like, why the Da Vinci Code, you know? But I I do totally agree. I think you're, I agree and I don't. I I think that it is, now you mentioned it, it is kind of kind of sitcom-y. She did have this conversation with other people. Um, what I appreciated is that it wasn't that she was talking with other people in a way that felt like, she was not willing to do the other thing, which is just talk to him. But I think that it actually she needed some support to get to a point where she would be willing to talk to him about that issue. So I like that. But what I would say is that um, a difference in the two of us is that you are in a different stage in your relationship than I am in, in my relationship. And a struggle that I have in my relationship is how do I coexist with somebody in a shared space and find the space and time for myself that I need while also loving somebody and loving being around somebody? And what I have to assume by saying that is that you and in your relationship have kind of are further in that lesson than I am because I'll be like, man, I really need some time alone, but I really want to hang out with Sam. And so like, maybe we'll just watch a TV show together. And that way we're not directly interacting, but I am also like spending time with her. Cause it always sounds like a good time to spend time with her, but it's like ice cream is delicious. But if you only eat ice cream, you're ruining your life. Uh, so too is m- me kind of learning my need to create some space for myself and also respect that there's probably some amount of space that my partner needs as well. So what I really liked was that Keely got mad at Roy and addressed that. And he wasn't able to hear that and understand it, but it was in talking to Jamie that he Roy understands soccer. So as soon as it was put into the context of soccer and how to you know work that out, um, you know, you need to respect your teammates and respect that they have their shit taken care trust, of. Trust that they're going to do the right thing when you give them space. Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, it's not necessarily trusting, you know, if I'm not around Sam all the time, but it's more just like maybe trusting myself that, you know, like I do like this person, but I also want to be away from them and that is okay. And like, you know, I think maybe to some folks that's a more basic lesson than it seems or is. But for me, it's a challenging thing that I kind of have to revisit constantly because I am somebody who constantly finds themselves in a position of like, wow, it's been nine days since I've spent an hour alone. 
And that's crazy. So I just, I liked, I liked it, but I do, I do totally agree that it does. It is one of the more kind of like episodic problems that they create and then resolve within a single issue. It's closer to a sitcom than I think this show has generally gotten. Yeah. I, um, I, I would agree with that. I think that um, probably a little bit further along, like I think Sarah and I have found that groove where we both acknowledge that, you know, we're just aware, but also just the way that our lives happen to work. We typically end up having, you know, a bit of a bit of time where at the end of the day, she needs to sit out in the car in the driveway, staring at her phone for 20 minutes before she comes inside to deal with the madness that is raising children and just having those brief moments of solitude. Sam um, does that exact same thing. <laughs> we don't have children, but she will spend 20 minutes on her phone in the park. And I'll be like, hey, I'm excited to see Sam. Let me come on. They're like, wait, maybe I shouldn't. She's actually doing what she knows she needs to do better than I do. Um, the the things that I did like about it. One, I feel like it did acknowledge a bit of the tropiness of it. I don't know if it necessarily excused it, but with the Sex and the City episode with playing mm. uh, on it was like dealing with the exact same issue um that was taking place with them of just like oh my god he suddenly lives here and he's here all of the time i've i never watched sex in the city but i know that sarah does i and have I think my uh if i have my understanding of that scene or that episode um if i understand that correctly that resulted in um her boyfriend like leaving and so the d- episode kind of makes you think that that same thing is going to happen and roy's bags are packed but instead he's trying to make the ma- mature decision to Like, hey, I'm going to, I recognize this and I'm going to give you your space and your free time, you know, to relax and um, do what you see fit. I guess I, I, I'm a little bit caught up also in just the idea of like, but how would she really want to take a bath right now? And right. I was thinking that too, like like, maybe let her decide how she wants to spend her time. How cold is that water? How long has it been sitting there? You know, there's a, there's a lot of candles there. So like what, how many different scents are going on? There's a lot that was going on. No, I was with you. (laughs) Um, What's, what's going on with all of that. But you know, at, at the end of it all, I guess, you know, I think you make a lot of valid points about that. I mean, I recognize that that struggle of finding that space. I also just felt like it's maybe been a bit of explored territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was a, like, hey, we wrapped it all up into one neat little package by the end of right. the episode, which I think is always going to happen to a certain degree. But it really stood out. I felt like it kind of showed some of the cracks of like, oh, we just we need a we need a, a third story going on here in the background to right. kind of fill the episode up and, and keep things moving along. I also did really like that perfect jazz scatting oh. place by Higgins and Rebecca. Every so good. Single time. So good. So good. Um, Absolutely perfect. And I'm, you know, there's so much of like these episodes all kind of like feed off of one another in such a perfect way. So there's some Rebecca stuff that I think is worth getting into, but I do think it actually, it's pretty tied into the previous episode, but I do just want to mention that I I like this through line of, of giving Rebecca a journey herself where she's been consistently kind of taking an easy way out with certain things or who she's engaging with in a romantic way and, and giving her this kind of journey of she's anxious about meeting this person in person. And uh, yeah, that's, that's just a thing. I, I really like Rebecca as a character and I was a little worried going into season two, her arc of the first season was going from like 
hard, cold lady to like warm person. And now that she's warm person was, you know, going to feel like she needed a, a new direction. And, and I think they've done a good job of, of not making her feel super stale. I, I agree. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think since you and I texted about like the big reveal of on banter that she was talking to Sam instead of Ted. And there was some great like cuts for Rebecca's texting. And then it cuts to Sam or to Ted walking and texting where like it's just enough. It's almost like reading a Dan Brown novel, uh, like <laughs> right? Where there's they were kind of feeding you some of this information subtly, where it makes you feel like I got this figured out. I'm smart. I know what's going on. Um, and then to pull the rug out from underneath you, right? They weren't beating you over the head with it, but it was enough to make you go like, Ah, did everybody else watching this catch that? Yes. Right. The answer is yes. They all did. Everyone right. caught that. But you felt smart about it. And then to pull that rug out from underneath you and see it, Sam, once again, like looking at the texts that were coming into Rebecca, you know, you could easily read those as Ted, but now you're like, you know what? Those just as easily read as Sam's voice mm-hmm. too. And it works super well. But what do you think about the idea of Sam and Rebecca? Cause I kind of have a lot of thoughts all over the place about it. And like, are you team Ted and Rebecca, are you, I, are you team Ted and, or, or Ted and uh, Sam and Rebecca? Too. Maybe Ted um, and Sam? <laughs> I, I did on the first episode of season two, I said to Sam like, oh, because I was, you know, I went into season two a little cynical or just like, you know, like somebody who's just been beaten up by media not being good as, as good as my expectations. So it's kind of like overly predicting it. So episode one, I was like, oh, so season two is going to be about Ted and Rebecca getting in a relationship together. Um, And I wasn't thrilled with that on episode one, but then I got more and more into that idea. But even at that point, I was like, is there a bit of an age gap? Like, does that matter? Rebecca is like super awesome and super hot. And I really love her. Uh, And obviously I love Ted, but then that becomes that disparity of age. gets even larger when it's like possibly Sam and Rebecca. So, Oh, how do I feel about it? I feel like, I don't necessarily see the long-term relationship that those two have or possibly having as being having a lot of gold to mine from them being in a relationship together. But what I do feel like is there's a lot of gold to mine from them thinking that they have a connection and then meeting each other in person and then finding that they really do have this connection, but maybe it's not necessarily a romantic connection or like I, um, but I, I would also be very into them, you know, being in a relationship. I guess my only hesitancy is like the age gap and, and feeling like there is, they're, uh, kind of different life stages with one another, but that's not necessarily a thing that is a problem within relationships, but that it, it jumps out as the possible problem, but everything else seems like it would work. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting to think that the, the age gap is kind of the initial thought more than anything but i i thought it was just an interesting exercise to 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 flip it around and think about like her ex being with so much of a younger woman and how that seems to be so much more socially acceptable like older man i mean we still kind of look at it with a side eye and be like that's kind of it's kind of gross but yeah because it feels i suppose it feels more predatory when it's an older man and a younger uh woman who maybe is still just getting out into the world um, but we, you know, when you flip it and it's an older female and a younger man, you 
you typically tend to think like, ah, oh, that would never work. There's too much of an age gap. That's not right. But you don't always have that same thought process when it's when it's the genders reversed. So I actually thought that if it is like I I think I'm going to enjoy it no matter what. But if they did decide to go down this road of exploring it as a relationship so that would actually work, I, I would be pretty into seeing it play out a little bit more as a relationship with an mm-hmm. older woman and a younger man and um you know uh, how that how that would work and if anything it would be the um, the kind of the the boss subordinate yeah, exactly what i was thinking yeah that that kind of bothers me a little bit more than the age because mm-hmm. it's like well she's in a position of power and he's a player and or you know kind of an employee kind of not right you know, i don't know how owner employee relationships work um not to mention going down the road of like she's the owner and this young black man yep. player is yep. you know works under contract for her and what kind of connotations could come with that but i feel like there's a lot to explore there but i also just i'm completely on board with the idea of just like they when they realize that it is they maybe they just have a a, a connection as just two human beings right um and form a stronger relationship there that doesn't necessarily have to be romantic and it's still trying to figure out like is the show going to still chase the idea of Rebecca and Ted or is they're going to are they going to introduce something else because it feels like the show does want to do something with Ted um you know finding romance finding love um but maybe it's not going to go that direction in the long run maybe it's just going to kind of toy with us on that and that's not what the show is about it's not about Ted finding love or uh, you know, connection with another human being, but connecting with this, you know, this team. Yeah. And kind of just developing the healthy relationship with himself. Cause I think that, you know, he's almost compulsively nice and optimistic. And I think that, um, you know, compulsive behaviors are different than chosen behaviors and, you know, him kind of even to that Jamie Tart, you know, like the idea of putting the prick away, you know, like, you know, Sometimes, you know, anyway, compulsive behaviors. I I think there's something to be mined there. And I do, I think that they did a great job in this episode highlighting the power dynamic specifically as they're texting one another, but they walk by each other and they're just like very uncomfortable around each other because of the power dynamic. And it seems like that was kind of seeding that maybe more than age, that would be the thing that um, could could cause a wrinkle in the the, the whole thing. Yeah, it's uh, just another like, phenomenal episode in my mind um of this of this show which i i think just the trust that we have for the the show is that yeah. kind of the highlight there yeah i mean for me feeling like it was maybe one of the weaker episodes it's like when you take one of the best shows there is and have what you would call a weaker episode um it's still better than you know, almost anything else on TV or pretty much everything on TV. So I, I still love it. And I still have a lot of trust in what they do. Um, but it was definitely, there were a couple of moments there where I found myself, while I found myself frustrated on the second watch through, I was like, okay, I can see a lot of what's going on. I can see its connections to the rest of the episodes and the rest of the season. And I really can't wait to see next week's episode now. And I'm so glad uh, before we start recording, I think you'd mentioned it. it looks like there's going to be 12 episodes this season. Cause I I'd done the same assumption, which is that I think there was going to be 10 episodes this season. Um, and in an interview, what, like the one I watched about season two, uh, Jason Sudeikis did re- relate that 
I've heard that this is going to be a three season show and they're just going to end it at three seasons, but he referred to this one as empire strikes back. And I do think that that comparison is very apt. Like this is kind of the, the helms deep, like the night before the dawn type thing. There's a, we're doing a lot of identity development and story development to then get to what I think is going to be a a season three. We'll have a lot of the, the great aspects of, of what the show is as a whole. But I think we're kind of going through the, the, this season is kind of the work and it's still yeah. a joy, but I don't know if you have any predictions about where they were going to go, but I felt like uh, some of the seeds were planted for Nate to leave yep. and maybe, maybe try to become uh, a head coach for another, another team. So maybe there's some big, you know, breakups where some people are sent off to other places. You know, they kind of did do that with Jamie a bit last season and Jamie came back. Um, but I could definitely see like Nate, Nate leaving, maybe something with Sam and Rebecca happens, like mm-hmm. break some of that up there. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I was definitely excited to see. I was trying to look it up again right now to just reconfirm, but it, oh, I was looking at it earlier. Yeah, it looked like we had 12 episodes this season. So we've got we've got a few more before end, as opposed to that normal, normal 10 episodes that I think we probably expected it to be. Because just like season one, I don't want it to end. Um, well, Will... Thank you so much for the encouragement to watch the show to begin with, for the excitement to do this thing that we're doing now, and we'll see what form or shape it takes in the future. Thank you for anyone who is listening to this from the Perfectly Acceptable podcast feed and made it to the end and doesn't know anything about Ted Lasso and just another strong endorsement for everyone to watch this show. And um, I don't think spoilers drastically ruin anything. I think this is just like a a show that is like a much like therapy, a medication that you take to feel better about yourself and the world around you. And it's just always it's like a little lemon drop of sunshine. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Um, I'm really excited about to talk, talk to you about next week's episode. Real fast. Do you have like a score or anything that you, Oh like my give? gosh. Have you thought well, about that at all? I, I haven't thought about a score. I do like, I'm pretty high on this episode. I liked it a lot. I, I would actually top three it for the season. I think the most wow. three, the three epi- recent episodes have been my favorite of the season. Um, I, I just love the way therapy was portrayed. I, I do, I can totally identify with kind of the neat feeling. Um, but because I think I've kind of convinced myself or I, I've just kind of tied it into a view that I've had about life in general I've kind of twisted it to be a thing that's confirming a worldview that I have, but this so that might be kind of narcissistic of me. So, but I've actually, I've enjoyed the Nate thing. I am worried that he will join another team, but what I hope is that they'll do the Ted Lasso thing, which is that like, they'll kind of wrap that up next episode. And, you know, like I will have projected a season and a half of problem and drama and they'll be like, no, we don't really need to do that because this show is about positivity rather than that. So like, I, I hope that's what they do. Is they going to let him kind of slowly drift away and then they're going to lasso him right back into the family. If I were to do ratings on this show, it would be so bad because they would all just be between eight and a half and ten. Like it would all (laughs) just be like, you know, like this one, you know, would be a nine to a nine point five for me. Yeah, I want to say I would I probably give this one like an eight point nine, maybe just just some of my minor quibbles, just slightly keep it away from being amazing. But it's still very, very great i I, yeah i i hear it it's uh it's hard to hard to criticize something that's so clearly good (laughs) well we'll have to at some point we'll have to just have some a discussion on our favorite episodes or our favorite i would love to 
do some rankings on that because I think I think we'll have a lot of similarities, but it'll be fun to see the differences. And um, just talking about the episode more has raised my appreciation uh, for this particular one uh, a lot hearing your comments. So thank you again for well, your time and look forward to talking about this more. Yeah, well, we'll see everybody next week and on some feed somewhere with a, a follow up. But uh, thanks for listening. And yeah, we'll see everybody sometime soon. Thanks again, Will. And, you know, uh, Diamond Dogs out. Oh. Ow.